0: Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Dreamfesters, and welcome to the Dreamfest podcast. This is the show where I invite a special guest to come and curate their Dream Festival lineup, as Muggins here forgot to book any of the bands. My guest this week is Wolverhampton singer-songwriter Sam Lambeth, whose new EP, Love and Exile, is out now. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Patreon for bonus questions and at least 20 minutes-yes, 20 minutes-of extra chats with Sam and content, including the time he played a festival on a roundabout in Wolverhampton. And there is more to that story, I can promise you. So go to patreon.com slash dreamfestpod to find out more. You'll also get these episodes before anyone else, and you'll get a shout-out on the show, and you'll find out who's on next week's show before anyone else, and you're helping to support something that you enjoy. So please sign up now. We begin this episode talking to Sam about some of his previous work in bands like Quinn. I will be back at the end, as ever, with some handy links. But for now, let's all sit back. And relax as we curate the Dream Festival lineup of Mr. Sam Lambeth. Enjoy.
1: So I've, I've got to send it to
0: a Polish uh, wedding planner because I'm going to be performing it at this wedding. It's a testament to your song, strengthens the songwriter, Sam. And obviously that indie pop sound sort of suited you, but now you've sort of switched to this kind of more folky Americana kind of style, like you say, Bob Dylan, maybe a bit of Johnny Cash in there, perhaps. So, I mean, was what was was there a conscious sort of switch to that sort of style? Was it was it tempting just to stay in in the indie pop sort of genre?
1: Yeah, I think it was quite
0: conscious. I
1: think I'm, I'm kind of an avaricious consumer of music. You know, I love I love the journey. I I love that there's never any end, and there's so many different genre as an artist to discover. And I think um over the, the years I've been in bands, I'll discover a new artist, well a new artist for me maybe, or an album that I get hooked on and then perhaps not even consciously, maybe it's a little unconsciously, when I'm listening to that music, when I start to write songs, it kind of mirrors what I've been listening to. And I've always tried to switch up my sound a little bit. But this was the kind of a record I always wanted to make. I think I remember going back twelve, thirteen years ago, I listened to Wildflowers by Tom Petty and I was hooked. Mm. I just loved the sound of it, the kind of that organic kind of sound, that acoustic driven sound of it. And I always wanted to make a record like that. But because I was in bands, it wasn't really an option to make music like that. Mm. We always wanted to make kind of fast, loud, energetic music, because the goal is, was always to play these those songs live. It wasn't really about the studio experience. So any acoustic driven songs kind of got beefed up for live performances. So it was never an avenue I could really go down until now when I decided to go solo. And because when I wrote and kind of cultivated these songs, I didn't have a band. I didn't have gigs booked didn't have rehearsals or anything. I didn't even know I was going to do any gigs. So mm. there was just no limitations on what I could do with it. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to go down this route with it really. And, um, Yeah, I was listening to a lot of kind of maybe it was to get myself trained up for life as a solo artist. But I I started listening to a lot of solo acts like Dylan, Mm. Springsteen, Petty, Neil Young, that sort of thing. And just learning from them. And um, the songwriting kind of mirrored that, really.
0: Well, we are going to take it. uh, We're going to take it back, Sam. We're going to go back way back when to when uh, young Sam was running around as a young whippersnapper. (laughs) uh and i'm always curious to know what was the sort of music that you were sort of listening to as a, a young so what was what was the sort of first music that you can remember hearing around your house
1: it's probably reflected in the songs i write i think so in my house, i grew up during the, like the brit pop era yeah um so my mom always had like the radio on or if not you'd have oasis records on uh, suede music you know artists like that ocean color scene was a big one in our house and i remember when i was four or five I absolutely loved "Daily Caught Called The Train and I was always singing yeah. around the house and my mum had to take me to Woolworths to buy the, the CD single because I was that obsessed with it. Um, so yeah, very much brick pop music. When I listen, I think I can hear that in my songs because I would never go out of my way to say Oasis oh, are a massive influence on me. But I think because they were one of the first bands that I grew up listening to, I can kind of hear it sometimes in my music. Mm. Um, but other than that, um, it was a lot of older music too, because um, my granddad loves music, and his favourite artists were people like the Beatles, the Stones, the Eagles, Billy Joel. That was kind of artists, and um, I, he always used to have th- those cassettes on in the car. They really influenced me as well. So those were the kind of that was the kind of music I grew up listening to, and I think it really resonated with me.
0: Okay, well, we are here today to talk about your dream festival lineup. But first, I like to talk to uh, my guests about live music in general and some of the gigs that you might have attended in the past. So uh, my first question is, do you remember the first gig you went to?
1: Yeah, vividly and and, and fittingly enough, it was a festival. It was Mm. um, V-Fest 2004. Wow. Um, So I was 13. And, um, you know, I look back now and I'm really annoyed with myself because I didn't want to go. I mean, it seems crazy to me now. I, w- I would jump at the chance, especially with the lineup. But my mum really wanted to go and um, she had these two tickets for the day. So it was at Weston Hall in Stafford. So I went along. But I remember I wish now I'd enjoyed it a bit more because I was a bit of a surly teen, you know, not really wanting to be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was into music at that point, so I don't really know why I was so resistant to going. Cause... was it was it because you were going with your mum, perhaps? Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, could have been. Not that I had much street credit for TV, you know. <laughs> but it was such a fantastic day, and um, so one of the one of the first bands that were, was on was Snow Patrol, and obviously now there they might they might even be headlining now. You know, they certainly have headlined festivals since. So to see them very early on in the afternoon was an experience i saw scissor sisters badly drawn boy the thrills i don't know if you remember the thrills
0: uh, yeah vaguely yeah
1: yeah that, that, they were probably the best band i saw they were they were fantastic uh, i saw nerd or n-e-r-d n-e-r-d yeah wonderful P- yeah pixies
0: uh, and oh, the Strokes. Nice.
1: so so for a first gig i mean it was incredible
0: that's a heck of a first gig. Yeah. You've, got, you've got a fantastic mum. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what I mean. I feel bad now that I was oh, yeah. so bloody miserable.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, mum, you brought us to see the Pixies for? Uh, they're all old.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I did tear up when the Pixies come on because I remember, because there used to be a music channel called VH2. I don't know if you remember it. I remember VH1, so yeah. I, yeah, I think this was like, a VH, there's a sequel this was, like a bad, this was VH1's kind of bad boy, modern day cousin. And oh. they, played, they played like, modern fairly modern rock music videos on it and i that was kind of my education when i was a 12 13 year old i used to sit down and watch vh2 all day so pixies got were on heavy rotation on that channel and i used to go on mtv too as well and pixies were on there and that was just when pixies reformed so obviously there was a kind of a zeitgeist around them at that time when they released yeah. their best of and we had that on in the car so I was crazy about the Pixies at that point, so when they came on, I actually did uh, I did crack a smile. Then.
0: Yeah, gave your mum a hug. Went, oh, actually, <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> well, that is that's a pretty impressive first gig, Sam. So we're going to now go to the last gig you went to. Do you remember the last gig you went to? It's probably a while ago now, obviously. But
1: yeah, it was um, it was only a couple of days really before COVID shut the whole world down, and even mm. then, things were kind of coming to a steady decline. It was um, a band called Nader Surf. I'm not sure if you know them.
0: No, I don't actually, no.
1: Fantastic band. I highly recommend them. They're, they're, again, kind of one of those lesser known bands. But once you get into them, they're, they're great. They're kind of like a power pop rock trio from Brooklyn. And they've mm. been together for quite a while. And I've seen them two or three times in the past. And they played Manchester. And it was early March 2019. No, 2020, sorry. Early March 20. 2020. So we went to Manchester for... For the weekend and saw them because I think it was on a Saturday night. Even then there was a lot of kind of uncertainty as to whether the gig would even go ahead. I think Mm. I remember that day looking constantly to see whether it had been cancelled or not because all of a sudden we were in the grips of COVID at that point. And I remember going to um, like a restaurant the next morning, well like one of those breakfasty places. And the waitress was saying to us, "Yeah, we're gonna we'll be shutting down tomorrow. Definitely, the issue was certain about it. So there was a yeah. bit of an uneasy feeling." And I, I think and finish that, your hash browns. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, yeah. I got on the train that um that like afternoon to come back home, and I looked on Nada Surf's um, social media, and they just cancelled the rest of the tour and went back home to America. So that's how kind of urgent it was. Yeah, um, looking. Yeah, so it was a great gig, yeah.
0: Lucky to get in there then. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. uh, this is might be a tough question because obviously your first gig was such a good one, but what's the best gig you've ever been to?
1: I'd say Paul McCartney. The Beatles are my favourite band and um, a big inspiration, so to see Paul McCartney was incredible. Where was that? It was Manchester, I don't know if it's called MEN Arena, but it was then, and it was, like, it was December 2011, so me and my brother went down for the day and... Um, yeah, it was fantastic, obviously, to hear the Beatles songs, to hear the Wings songs, and uh, mm. he played wonderful Christmas time as well. That
0: wasn't
1: that much of a highlight, but uh, an yeah. underrated
0: Christmas song, I think. I a do like. People, it, you said, a lot of people yeah. dislike it. I really like it, but I grew up on that sort of that nineteen yeah. eighties Christmas music anyway, so <laughs> it's it's always got a special place in my heart that one, even though people hate it. But there we go. <laughs> wonderful. So, what's your favorite Beatles song? Um, oh God! You put me on the spot now. I know, yeah.
1: Uh, um, I'm gonna. S- oh, I don't like. Oh, I'm struggling. Right, I'm going- oh, okay, okay. Favorite
0: album then? Oh, Easy nice. Revolver. Oh, same. Nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, maybe, one. maybe, maybe it would go for some of Revolver. Maybe either here, there, and everywhere, or I am only sleeping. Maybe it might be my favorite yeah. one. But I love Angel Bird can sing too.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the whole Revolver album is uh, just the most perfect piece of work I've ever heard. Mm. I think.
1: Yeah, it's it's my favourite album ever, I would
0: say. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, well, lovely stuff, Sam. Some wonderful gigs there. I'm hoping your festival can live up to that expectation. <laughs> um, because as you know, I've set up this festival. I've set up the stages, the lighting's done, the crew's already, food trucks, invitations have gone out, wristbands are gone out. Everyone's pumped. But gosh darn it. I forgot to book the bands. <laughs> so I need some help. And that's where you come in. Now, fortunately, I've got a very handy time machine in which you <laughs> can go and travel to any era and pick up any musical artist you want from any. So you can go back to Beethoven's time if you want to. You can go and find Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock. Or, you know, you can go and get Paul McCartney from from that, that night in 2011. <laughs> up to you. But you also get to choose the form of which your time machine takes. So how would you like to travel through the annals of time to pick up your guests?
1: So I can go in the air or underwater or...
0: Yeah, and you can, you can, so you can use the DeLorean if you want to, or you can. Uh, we've had submarines, we've had hot air balloons, we've had chariots, horse-drawn chariots. Oh, God. Uh... Too. How would you like to travel?
1: I'd like to go on one of those proper old timey like jet planes, you know, the ones that were like made of wood and the propellers you had to like, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. I like that. Cause you really... maybe, maybe I can be on it with Buddy Holly and maybe prevent what
0: happened. You never know. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> who, kn- who knows what happened that fateful night. I'm not entirely sure who knows what went wrong, but uh, yeah, an old timey. So sort of the Wright brothers,
1: yeah, of, yeah
0: yeah 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 wilbur Wright and I forget, yeah. the other, I forget the other brother's name uh okay so it's an old-timey plane uh in which you can probably fit what one person in at a time so you're going to be making quite a lot of back and forth for that that's fine it's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> um so the day before the festival opens there's some bars open so you can have a meal with your guests you can have a, a nice old chat about what's going to happen the next day you can have a few beers if you want it's going to be a bit of a late night, let's be honest So the next morning the festival's going to start And there's some music to wake up to In fact, they're right outside your tent So who is your wake-up call? I was
1: thinking about this question I remember the last time I came to a festival was uh, Why Not in 2017 And that was when it got rained on so much that To cancel the rest of the festival So that, mm-hmm. wasn't, a, that wasn't a great awakening But um, I would say something quite mild and folky for me Because when okay. I usually get up in the morning I'll, I'll put an album on, but usually something quite mellow. So I'd probably go for someone like, um, maybe like Jackson Brown or, or someone like that. But um, one guy I really like, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's called Devendra Banhart and he's a bit of a, a hippie folk rocker. Um Mine rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a bit out there, um, but he's got some really nice acoustic tracks that are good to
0: chill to. So I'm going to, I'd probably pick something like that. Have you got any uh, any recommendations for our listeners? Yeah, Devendra Barnhart's
1: got a record called Thunder Rolls Down Smoky Mountain or something like that, and that's a really good record. But mm. he did this song, and it used to be on an an on on an advert back in the day, But he had two songs that used to be on adverts. Like, one of them was that one that used to go, Hey there little snapping, turtle snapping at a shell. That was one song. Then there's another song, and it was on like a Cathedral City advert or something. It was like... Put me on my toes, spread me on my because you know what, taste's great. Something like that, and he was on like a cheese advert. I just <laughs> when you hear them, you'll probably—I mean, I'm not doing them justice. But when you <laughs> hear them, you'll, you'll probably remember them being on adverts. But um, so he yeah. wasn't
0: writing—he wasn't writing jingles specifically. They just happened to be.
1: Yeah, he literally, sound like yeah. They do a lot of his songs do sound like crazy, like jingles like it's almost like flight of the concords but like serious If oh, no. that makes sense
0: yeah okay yeah. Oh, that makes sense okay lovely well the vendor of Brandhart's gonna wake you up and you're gonna have uh you might have to pop a, a couple of painkillers i don't know how much you've had to drink some i don't know <laughs> but you're gonna have yourself a nice little breakfast just to just to get you going you managed to wipe the sleep from your eyes and the festival is about to start so who is setting the tone and putting out your festival vibes who is opening your show
1: Now I picked Ocean, could have seen, actually, one for a local band, but I think they've got a rich back catalogue and they've got a good balance between kind of more heavier rock stuff and more lighter kind of folky stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a great way to start the day. I mean, I don't know how great they'd feel about opening my my festival. They'd probably want to be on a bit later, but um, I think a band like that would be great because it would kind of get you energised a little bit, but also not, not too much...
0: There, um, I, I believe I've just seen an announcement that they've booked a gig coming up a bit later on in the year. I think they've, um, I think they've sort of disbanded a little bit, but they've sort of, I think they've been trying to work out a, a reformation and they've booked a gig. Up. I can't find it now, but um, I'll, maybe I'll put a link in the uh, in the notes at the end of the show. But Ocean Colour Scene, great band. Like you say, local. One of the first albums I think I ever bought was Mosey Shoals. I think back in what 96 mm. shows my age a little bit <laughs> but also they're on the the Lockstock soundtrack which sort of made them explode to a lot more a lot more people. Have you got any favorite songs? I mean the day they called the train did you mention that earlier?
1: I love David called the train. I'd oh. say my favorite Ocean called a Scene song. It's not that famous really. It's
0: called Solo but it's a
1: beautiful track. I love I love the rock songs that they do, you know, like Riverboat 100 Mile High City but Yeah. I, I really really like the the more melodic folkier stuff they do Mm. um and solo is an example of that it's such a great song um i'd I'd encourage anyone who kind of knows ocean color scene but not fully to to check that one out
0: Mm. Uh,
1: the circle as well i think the circle Circle. is a perfect is a perfect example of ocean color scene because it's it's got that kind of chiming melodic sound but it's got kind of steve craddock's
0: you know chunky riffs so it's a good yeah i i thought they got a quite a lot of undue criticism back in the day i think people thought they were overrated i think they were underrated personally yeah, like you say like you say they managed to sort of um bridge that gap between sort of melodic folk and, and good old indie riffage which yeah. I, I really really enjoyed that's a good shout for an opener though well done <laughs> so ocean color scene have uh caught the train and. Uh, they've left the stage but it's now time for your secret guests so suddenly some flyers appear with the promise of an exciting previously unannounced guest set so who is going to shock your audience
1: and they was torn between two one's one's living and one's dead so the first one that came to mind um was taylor swift actually believe it or not just because mm. maybe i was thinking a bit too kind of pragmatically about it but obviously she's been re-recording a lot of her old songs lately and she's gone down this kind of more idiosyncratic folk kind of path. And I just thought doing a secret gig would tally up really well with kind of what she's doing at the moment with these kind of sudden releases. Because obviously she's been dropping these albums unexpectedly. She's been re-recording the old stuff and dropping that kind of apropos of nothing. So Mm -hmm. I thought maybe like a secret set from her would, uh, would kind of be fitting. But then the other one I thought of, it uh, was prince because i just thought i could just see in my head these per uh, maybe maybe i should go into marketing here because i, I, I had this vision of uh, purple flyers with a squiggle on being handed around and then all of a sudden prince walks on
0: i mean if that's not a giveaway <laughs> as to who the secret guest is i don't know what is
1: well true true yeah <laughs> but uh i, I think we're I,
0: talk, we're talking about getting there going i have absolutely no idea who this is and then bang <laughs> curtain drops big squiggle above his head you know (laughs) fireworks coming out of his guitar yeah Yeah. i think prince is that would be my choice cool over taylor swift i'm you know i'm not i'm not down on taylor swift necessarily but um yeah i think prince would be one of the best surprise guests ever Mm. well done (laughs) well done for picking (laughs) prince Well, that has absolutely wowed everyone. Everyone is partying like it's 1999. Uh, So it's now time to go and get something to eat because we've worked up a bit of an appetite. So what is your festival grub? What's going to keep you sustained for the rest of the day?
1: Now, back in the day, this would have just been anything bad for me. So when I used to be at festivals, I used to eat appallingly. Um, No discredit to the the vendors, you know. It was good appalling, right? Yeah, it's just just me. I should have eaten better than burgers, chips, hot dogs, that kind of thing. (laughs) but I'm actually going through this long and painful process of going veggie maybe okay. maybe even vegan down the line but I'm kind of I, at the moment I'm calling myself a vexitarian so I'm vexitarian. threatening to go veggie but I'm pissing everyone off by talking about it <laughs> um, so I'm, I probably now look for something kind of fresh and healthy like a, a vegetable curry or a good salad something like that I'd say there's a there's a there's some cracking places at Digbeth Dining Club, isn't there? That I, I couldn't. I tried to think of some names that I've had from there to, to, to plug here, but I, I couldn't really think of any. I mean, I love. Um, there's a pizza place in in Digbeth called Baked in Brick, so, mm. and they do lovely pizzas. So maybe I'd have one of those too.
0: What do you make of the sort of wave of meat substitute?
1: Well, I haven't properly tried them all yet. Again, mm. I'm, I'm very much at a kind of an early stage of my uh, my veggie journey, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But I've got positive things about it. So a, yeah. a lot of friends of mine are vegetarian, and they say that these days you can barely tell the difference. And back mm. in the day, they said it used to be horrible. You know, you go to a pub, and all you could order was cauliflower cheese. But now, there's just such a, a breadth of options.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I'm in the same sort of boat as you, Sam. Uh, I mean, I went veggie th- nearly three years ago and like you sort of bordering on vegan, although cheese is my downfall. I haven't found, I like my cheese and I haven't found uh, a good substitute that doesn't absolutely stink of coconut. I'm not, <laughs> not, I'm not a coconut fan. To me, it's just like, eat, this is like, so for instance, Plant Pioneers, they don't sponsor the show, but Plant Pioneers are a really good meat substitute. And it's like it's like having a new, Kind of meat. Here's a new meat. Try it. It's just mm-hmm. not from an animal, but it's still meat. Oh, okay. And then you just you eat it. You get used to it, and then it's like, well, this is this is just meat now. Oh, so it's okay. fine. So, we'll try plant that. plant pioneers. Those are a good one. And there uh, are, uh, I mean, some of the corn stuff's really good as well. So you have a have a crack at the corn.
1: Do you feel better and healthier and sprightlier now? Do you feel than when
0: before when you wet meat? We no, no, no. That's just because I'm getting a bit older anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the, well. I, I'm not going to. Well, I'm nearly forty, uh, and my bones and muscles are always aching and creaking. But <laughs> morally, I feel much superior. <laughs> <laughs> I feel much better about myself. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't. The one one thing I have noticed is I don't get colds and chest infections as oh. much as I used to.
1: Mm.
0: Now I don't know if that's to do with meat um, or not, but. It just seems that I don't suffer from them as much as I used to. Okay. Ever since I went veggie, so no. read into that what you will. Yeah. How long have you been going? Like literally, like a month, I'd say. At the oh, moment. Okay. I'm
1: told, so at such an early stage of it. Honestly, it basically I've just I bought a house recently with my partner. We've, we've not moved in yet, but we've mm. kind of said to ourselves, when we do move in, we're going to make a real concerted effort to 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 go veggie.
0: While you're tucking into your uh, vegetable pizza uh, or vegetable curry, whichever, what were you we going to go for? Was it a pizza?
1: I'll go, go for pizza, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, lovely. So while you're tucking into your vegetable pizza, a stage has been set up and someone is about to come and do an acoustic set for you. So they can be an acoustic artist or a non-acoustic artist, but they're going to crack open the acoustic instruments and they're going to serenade you while you'll eat. Who's it going to be?
1: This was the easiest one for me that okay. I to answer. And uh, I don't know if you know him, but I've gone for Evan Dando. Um, yeah. And for me... Uh, what band was he in again? Uh, the Lemonheads. Lemonheads, that's the one. Yeah, and yeah. they're a real inspiration to me. They always have been musically ever since, again, like I mentioned Wildflowers earlier, when I heard It's a Shame About Ray, because I only, I only knew really Mrs. Robinson before yeah. the cover. But when I heard It's a Shame About Ray, just, it, it, it blew me away, really, and... Um, I just think, for me, no one does solo acoustic music better than him. I just think he's amazing. I think anyone out there that wants to start doing solo acoustic should watch him because you know watch videos of him because he's fantastic. I mean, it it helps that his songs kind of complement themselves well to like a stripped back arrangement, and it helps that his voice works well in that in that sense as well. But like I said earlier, I think it does take a certain like magic and you know, a lot of technique to master a solo acoustic set, and every time I've seen him live, he's just nailed it. You know, he, he never tries to replicate the energy of a full band performance. If anything, he, he takes it way back. And I think for me, one thing I think he does that's great—he kind of makes the most of the silence, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, I think for me, as an example, when I used to do solo acoustic gigs, the silence would would scare me. You know, on stage, I think I've got to keep playing, I've got to keep singing. Maybe to make up for the lack of energy of a band, but him he, he goes the other way and he he makes the most of that silence. You know he uses it as an as an instrument. And for me, I've seen a lot of solo acoustic performers, but when I saw Evan Dando, I've seen him on his own and I've seen him with the Lemonheads and I've played with the Lemonheads and I've played with Evan as well. Hmm. Um, and I think just watching him, just the way he makes utilizes the the space and the room and uh, The whole crowd just goes silent, and for me, that's very rare when I've watched someone before solo acoustically that the room stops talking and watches. So, yeah, I just think he's fantastic at it.
0: Lovely stuff. Evan Dando has not yet made an appearance on this podcast, so I'm glad you've mentioned him. Good stuff. Okay, well, you've managed to polish off your vegetable pizza, and you're nice and satisfied, and you're ready to crack on with your day. It's now time for your local accent. We've had Ocean Colour scene already. Um, but this is a specialist slot to give some festival props to uh, a local band. Now, you're a Wolverhampton lad, aren't you? Is that yes. right? Yes. Born and bred? Yes. Yeah. So we're going to pick someone from Wolverhampton, are we? What are we going to have? Yeah, I can do. Um, it's, up to, well, it's up to you. But uh, no, I mean, no, there, no, could, no, there, there could be an established band already, a legendary band, or someone uh, up and coming that you want to give some festival props to.
1: Let's, let's do that then. Um, yeah, I would say I will go for... Um, a really really good performer that i'm sure you know uh called alex ohm i do know alex yeah yeah i'll go for him because um he's not well he's he's dudley i think so he's 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 in that wolverhampton ballpark obviously he's had a really great
0: career with different bands and uh
1: oh there you go yeah you see there you yeah. Oh, yeah you can't
0: actually see it there because my, yeah uh, my camera but yeah there's his ep yeah, it's called the Lost Person's Meeting Point, and it's very, very good.
1: Yeah, really nice guy. Um, someone I've you know spoke to on and off since I started going solo myself, and I've often asked him for advice really because, like me, you know, he went from being in bands to being on his own. But yeah, I think he's a fantastic performer, got a great voice, and uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him.
0: And he can write a catchy ass song as well. That's what indeed, I, yes, I really yes. like about Alex. Yeah, very, yeah. very good indeed. It's now time for the intimate set sam so there's a tent that holds around about 30 people so it's a bit of a squeeze who do you want to see up close and personal in an intimate setting
1: i'm gonna go for paul simon mm, nice i'm a huge paul simon fan and uh that was someone i forgot to mention earlier that was someone my granddad listened to a lot graceland's one of my favorite albums ever yeah um, top five for me yeah um fantastic performer i fortunate enough to to have seen him live. I saw him live with my granddad, and I always remember afterwards, my granddad went to the loo and I couldn't find him, but obviously there were so many granddads there. It was just a sea of granddads, and I thought I might have to go over the tannoy and, you know, (laughs) looking for a missing child, looking for a missing granddad.
0: Um, 50 granddads just descend
1: on the desk. He's like, yeah, Yeah. I've lost
0: my grandson as well. I don't know where he's gone.
1: Yeah, but Again, such an Talented performer that always kind of is looking for a different sound and quite adventurous. But I think to see him just him with an acoustic guitar playing some of his solo stuff and some of the Simon and
0: Garfunkel stuff would be, I mean, that would just be a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good shout actually. I mean, I would love to see, I'd love to see him perform *Graceland*. I think in full, which brings us nicely on to the full album performance. So whose album would you like to hear played in its entirety? Again, a tough one. And Graceland was on my list. Revolver
1: was on my list. Mm. Um, Exile on Main Street was another one I toyed with. But I've actually actually gone a little outside the box in a way, and I've gone for Actong Baby by U2. Uh, Obviously, U2 are a bit of an acquired taste, aren't they? But um, again, Actong Baby is one of my favourite records. Mm -hmm. And... I've picked it not just because it's a fantastic album, but because I just think that Zoo TV, that Zoo TV tour was not only the pinnacle of u Two's career, but I think it just absolutely revolutionised the rock performance for me. I just think it was incredible. I think it was edgy, it was funny, it was powerful. I think it just redefined stadium rock, and I think it, it's in the pantheon of greatest ever live tours for a reason. Mm. Um, obviously, you had Bono, Dressing up as that Macphisto person, and and, and <laughs> you know the different kind of words and images that come up, and it was just an, a, an assault on the senses. And I just mm. think it's such an incredible, it's such an incredible album that obviously changed U2's career for the better after Rattle and Hum, but just changed stadium rock as we know it. And um, this year, 2021, is the 30th anniversary of u Baby. So I just it's think, that long.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: so man. I just think it's a perfect. Uh, perfect album to choose for this and uh, I suppose it would be Zoo.com now rather than Zoo TV but uh, Probably, yeah. I'd love to see them take act on Baby on the road now because obviously they did it with Joshua Tree mm. and I saw them on that tour and it was incredible and the song still had resonance even now but I think I'd love to see them do Actong Baby now and maybe update the visuals and go a bit crazy but yeah,
0: I'll go for Actong Baby Wonderful, great stuff Well, Sam The sun is about to go down. The party is about to really begin. Your headline is getting ready. But first, someone to get you warmed up. Now, we could go two ways. We could go kind of dusky and mellow, or we could just go, right, you know what, let's get this party started. Which way are we going to go with it?
1: this might be a bit
0: predictable
1: what with the music I'm making and listening to at the moment but i went for the i went for the dusky and mellow uh,
0: option that's okay now, in fact you very few people have done that so far okay. so i'm glad i'm glad of something a little bit different so what are we going for
1: i've obviously used my dead artist card already with prints you can have it on
0: one it's fine when when I really,
1: I've, I've, I've gone crazy in a way and i've i've picked the traveling Wilburys.
0: <laughs> okay but,
1: now for me i don't i mean in a way, they should headline, shouldn't they? Because you've got you've got, in my opinion, the best Beatle and George Harrison. You've got Dylan, you've got Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lee. And I mean, yeah. That, that lineup should headline outright. But their songs as a supergroup I felt are a little bit lightweight, so they're not they're not gonna be a headline act for me. But I got into them recently, um, just obviously through listening to Dylan and Petty and, and stuff like that. And um they discussed doing a live tour. And they were going, and it sounded like a really cool idea what they had. So they were going to go on tour and um, they'd play together and do some traveling Wilbury songs. And then there'd be various intervals where they'd kind of mess around a little bit. And rather than Bob Dylan come out and play a few Bob Dylan songs, they would mix it up and like Tom Petty would come out and play a few Bob Dylan. Then Bob Dylan would come out and play a few Tom Petty's, and George Harrison would sing some Jeff Lynne. And so I thought that was kind of a really cool idea because I, I thought imagine. Getting to see those legends on stage, but then hearing like Bob Dylan sing "I Won't Back Down" or um, mm. you know Tom or Roy Orbison singing something or while my guitar gently weeps or something like that, I just think that would be a really cool kind of appetizer, you, you know, a bit like the Glastonbury when they have the legends Legend slot, slot on a yeah, yeah. on a Sunday. I just thought, imagine seeing them five legends together on stage. Not only performing... And I do like the, the, the stuff they did as a Travelling Wilburys, but just imagining them kind of doing that idea. Apparently Tom Petty was begging George Harrison to go on tour because of how much money they would have made, but, <laughs> but apparently George Harrison didn't really like touring that much, and obviously I suppose he had enough money
0: anyway. So. Yeah, probably. I mean, you think back and to the Travelling Wilburys, it's like, that is an incredible supergroup. Like, it's just unbe- it's, it's unthinkable, really. When you it, it, think about it, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah it, ironically, it, it's crazy. I think when you listen to the songs, they are they are really good, but they don't they're not going to enter the best albums ever categories. But like you say, just to look at that look at that lineup. I mean, you've got like a member of the best band ever to exist, in my opinion. You've got yeah. probably the best ever songwriter. You've got one of the, probably the
0: top five singers of
1: all time in Roy Orbison. You know, it's mm. crazy.
0: Incredible. And that's a really good answer. The Travelling Wilburys doing a few of their own songs and then doing a few of each other's. I really like that idea. That's a great idea. Wonderful. Well, the Travelling Wilburys have travelled off the stage. It is now time for the headliner, for your main attraction, and to cool. close your show. Who is the main event?
1: I was torn between two, again, I'm afraid. It's, for me, it's either going to be Bruce Springsteen or the Rolling Stones.
0: Oh, it's a tough call. Yeah. Who's it gonna be? You gotta pick up. I'm,
1: go I'm gonna go for my the first answer I thought of was Bruce Springsteen, so I'm gonna go for him. The boss. Yeah. And you know what? I've not seen him live yet. And uh he's on my list.
0: Yeah. If you've got a spare three or four hours, then That's you what have, I've heard. Heard,
1: yeah. <laughs> have you seen him?
0: I haven't, no. Uh the closest I got was seeing him at the uh, halftime Super Bowl. <laughs> show. Oh, where he did a knee slide and his uh, groin went straight into the camera. It was, uh, <laughs> I think, not the cameraman over as well. It was great. <laughs> but no, he's one of those that I've, yeah, I've, uh, he did a tour not too long ago, a few years ago, but he missed Birmingham out. Yeah, didn't and he? He, play, he played he, Coventry Arena recently. He played, he? yeah, he played Rico, yeah, yeah. at the time. Um, we could have gone.
1: At the moment, one thing I'm trying to do is, um, I think this is one thing lockdowns taught me is, uh, to go and see some of these old before they either retire or pop the clog. So mm. I've got, I've got tickets to see, uh, Brian Wilson. I've got tickets to see Eric Clapton. I've got tickets to see Sting. No, Sting's Sting's 70. So he's a relative whippersnapper
0: compared to them. He's uh, 70 now? He's not 70, is he?
1: He's 70 this year, I think. Yeah. No. I think he was born, which is, I mean, obviously he, he's superhuman really, isn't he? Cause he's still, he was one of them. I said to my partner, I said, Sting's weird because he looked old when he was young, but he's never aged <laughs> since, so he's just kind of plateaued. He just always looked, he's always looked in his fifties.
0: <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Um a friend of mine does something similar. He'll just he will just buy tickets for anyone that's sort of over a certain age, I guess. Or so he's he's managed to go and see quite a few people before they've unfortunately passed on to the other side. But um mm. it's a good it's a good tactic. I think you should carry on with that.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: but Bruce Springsteen is going to absolutely exhaust everyone with a four hour set. Are you going to get the original E Street band lineup? Do you think?
1: Yes, why not? Yes.
0: Mm. Yeah, because uh, obviously Clarence Clemens isn't with mm. us anymore. Uh, and I, f- oh, I always forget his name the one that was in The Sopranos. Yes, I can't remember his name either. I've forgotten his name. I should know his name. That's horrendous of me to forget his name. <laughs> fact check time it was steve van sant that i was trying to think of he was in the e street band and also he played silvio dante in the sopranos and interestingly it was a part written for him after he auditioned for the role of tony soprano but they decided to go with someone more experienced i.e james gandolfini and that was probably a good decision but i loved silvio's uh, role in that as well but that was steve van sant guitarist for the e street band and silvia dante in the sopranos right back to the podcast But uh, yeah, that sounds like a wonderful, wonderful show. Now, the lights are going down on the stage, and someone mentions that there is a little jam session happening at the uh, at the campfire on top of the hill. So they invite you to go along, and you can take your guitar, or you can take your you can take your harmonica if you wanted to. <laughs> you've learned how to play it. But when you get there, there's someone totally unexpected there, and they want to have a jam with you, or a jam without you throughout the night. So who are you going to jam with in front of the campfire to bring your festival to a close?
1: It's a bit of a weird one, I guess, because I could have picked an absolute hero or an absolute legend, but mm. I, I just kept thinking of campfire and acoustic, and I, so I went for Jack Johnson. Okay. Because I think obviously I really, I really, I don't know him, but I like, I really like him as a person because he's so chill and laid back, mm. and I really admire kind of his ethos the the charity work he does and. Um, the kind of commitment he has to sustainability and and and, and climate change, I think it's really good, and he, he does it in a really positive way. He doesn't do it in a, a kind of a ham-fisted or preachy way. He just does it, and then you know says, "Look, what I you know I've, I've done this," and he always tries to improve the carbon footprint of every kind of city he plays in, and um, yeah, just some really someone I. I kind of admire for those reasons and um yeah sometimes i do find his music a bit soporific but i think he has got (laughs) some good songs and i think maybe if i I was with him i think it'd be cool just to pick his brains and i think he's he seems the kind of guy that would just be really cool to just jam with and just play acoustic guitars
0: with i've never heard the uh the adjective soporific before (laughs) (laughs) it's a good one now i get i get confused with a few of these people like the jack johnson's the joe jackson's the Jackson Browns, the Michael Jacksons. I don't get to get confused Michael Jackson. <laughs> Is Jack Johnson the one that did better when we were together? Yes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, gotcha. He's from Hawaii. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I'm there with you. Brilliant. Uh-huh. No, that sounds like a good, nice little chill way to end your festival. Wonderful stuff. Sam, we've put together one heck of a lineup here. Devendra Brandhart, Ocean Colour Scene. We've had Prince, Evan Dando, Alex Zone, Paul Simon, U2, The Travelling Wilburys, Bruce Springsteen, and Jack Johnson. That sounds like a hell of a lineup. Are you happy with it? Yes, very much so. Very much so. Where can people keep up to date with you and where can they get your music from?
1: So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And my handle is the same for all three. So it's uh, Sam Lambeth Music, all lowercase or all one word. I'm on Spotify, obviously, is Sam Lambeth, uh, um, just a Sam Lambeth. So yeah, those are the places to go to, I would say.
0: And remind me, when does the album come out? Friday, the 28th of May. Friday, twenty eighth of May, available on all good streaming platforms. You got any physical releases coming out for that?
1: Yeah, actually, um, there is a plan to to do a, a CD. Uh, I wanted to do vinyl, but it was just a, it's just a bit too expensive, really. But I've actually got a li- a nice little innovative idea for the CDs. Um, mm. So basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to release the CD, but it's, it's going to have the seven songs from the EP and six or seven old songs, so all the best will be on there, for example, and a, a few from Queen, the monobloggers, that kind of thing. And it's to, So it's going to be released under the name Sam Lambeth and the Endangered Species. And every cover is going to be unique, and it's going to feature an endangered animal on it. So my okay. partner draws, and she's going to draw um, the endangered animal. So we've got the list of the animals from WWF's website and um yeah so the proceeds from the cd will go to wwf and so every cd i'll sign it will be unique and will feature different endangered animals
0: so ah lovely idea that so are they so the the older songs are they going to be reimaginings or they the original recordings
1: (laughs) just the original recordings i I, I wanted to give people a bit more bang for their book if you know what i mean i thought Mm. with a cd i can obviously you can put up to 20 songs usually so yeah. I thought I might as well just put as many on there as possible like the choice cuts on the older stuff that maybe maybe new followers of my music haven't really heard yet so it's, uh, it, it gives them a bit more to listen to and hopefully for me it gives some of my older songs some new new ears and new audiences
0: lovely stuff well that sounds great uh, and uh, yeah do let me know when that's when that's happening but for now Sam Lambert thank you very much you can go and get in your old timey playing <laughs> uh, wind up the propeller and take off to your dream festival lineup. Thank Thanks, you very Sam. much
1: for having me, Pete. It
0: means a lot. Cheers, Sam. Thank you. Well, there we have it. That was the dream festival lineup of Mr. Sam Lambeth. And what a lineup that was. I especially liked the idea of the travelling Wilburys. Uh, playing a set but doing their own songs and then doing each other's songs so you know you're going to get Bob Dylan doing you know 20 minutes of George Harrison songs and Roy Orbison doing 20 minutes of Tom Petty songs that's a fantastic idea I love that one touch of brilliance there from Sam don't forget to sign up to the Patreon at patreon.com slash dreamfestpod you'll get all the bonus questions and extra content with Mr Sam Lambeth including the time he played a festival on a roundabout very good story. Uh, it's only £2 a month, you won't even miss it, it's less than a cup of coffee and uh, you'll get this show before anyone else. I'll say you'll get all the bonus content and you'll get a shout out on the show as well and you'll be privy to who my next guest is on the next Dreamfest podcast. So go and sign up now, please, thank you. Sam's EP, Love and Exile, is out now. You can listen on all good streaming platforms and copies of the CD in which proceeds will be going to the WWF, who do wonderful work in wildlife conservation, as I'm sure you're aware. Uh, So if you're a tree-hugging, veggie hipster like me, that might just tickle one's fancy, so you can get... Copies of the CD uh, from Sam's Bandcamp page, which is samlambethmusic.bandcamp.com at a cost of £9.99. Sam is also appearing at uh, live at a number of uh, shows and festivals, so go to his social media pages for more details on that. My thanks to Sam for his time. It was really good to talk to, and we'll have to go for a beer very, very soon. My thanks also to Richard Farmer for the artwork, to Jane Powell for the music, to the Brum Radio Podcast channel for the hosting, and to you, my lovely Dreamfesters, for listening. Join me next time while I'll have another wonderful guest curating their Dream Festival lineup. But in the meantime, stay safe, look after each other, and remember if you book them, they will come. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.